This is Renovating Masculinity. Good day, gentlemen. Our guest today played football and ran track at The Ohio State, where he broke Jesse Owens' long jump record. He was drafted by the Tennessee Titans. He played in Super Bowl 34 before retiring after an incredible seven-year career. But his story goes well beyond him as an athlete. He has grown from the toughest of lessons from his own life, where he learned that failures don't define you, but rather strengthen you. He understands that no matter what your background and no matter what the past might have been, you're just one decision closer to greatness. His heart is dedicated to working with youth, helping young people build self-esteem, character, and to teach moral and ethical principles in order to help them make responsible decisions. Now, he is a businessman, a community activist, a high school coach. He appears on TV and radio, and he is a man of passion and compassion. Welcome to the show, Chris Sanders. What up, Anthony? What's up, my guy? So... We're down to one mic uh, here, and we're sharing a mic. It's really pissing me off. <laughs> this is killing me. I, do you got a Tic Tac or something you can put in your mouth? No. <laughs> it's going to be a long episode right here. Okay. Yes, sir. So today we have a very special guest, been a friend of mine since 1999. No, 98. 98? When I had more hair. Yeah, you don't have much hair left. <laughs> so yeah. today we have none other than Chris Sanders. Uh, Chris, how you doing, I'm man? doing pretty good, man. Appreciate you inviting me on, man. We have been uh, asking or trying to make this work for quite a while. It's telling tell the people it's all your fault. It's, it is definitely okay, Anthony's you, fault. Definitely <laughs> yeah. Anthony's fault. I mean, his people had to get with my people, and then our people <laughs> had to get it. with JT's people. I mean, it's been it's been a really uphill battle, man. This guy's real busy. <laughs> no. and, you know, I've uh, yeah. of course, we've been friends. I, I sat on your foundation foundation board you for did. years got really good tickets uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh but just uh yeah. we've known each other a long time yeah. observed your life thank you appreciate for a it. very very long time uh know your whole family cj yeah. sierra all the you know and uh so uh i know that you have a story that you're very good at articulating well, thank you just because you've spoken in front of so many kids and encouragement and stuff. But uh, what is what is the the thing that really these days with the age that you're yeah. at, you're older now, you're wiser. Uh, what is the thing that you see? <laughs> oh, see, Anthony. <laughs> no, just say handsomer and handsomer. I mean, he's a guest, but we got to keep it I real, mean, man. I, mean, I know the guy personally. I mean, we're talking about wise. I mean, he's a smart kid, but come on now. <laughs> And he's we do crazy. need that. We do need. Yeah, okay, right. he is handsome. Thank my you. Gosh. Okay. And I ain't got no unibrow either. <laughs> <laughs> he said while ago that we sounded like Conway Twitty and who? Billy Ocean. Billy Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, sir. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Chris. Yeah. Yes, sir. Back to reality because yeah. I don't sound like Conway Twitty. <laughs> uh, what is the, these days as you look yeah. back, man, in your life? Mm. What is the lessons that you've learned? that really you you're passionate about today i think one of the lessons that i've learned is even though you may have failed to something that doesn't doesn't make you a failure mm. you know you know i look back at my life and i failed in so many areas and i failed in a lot of things and i started to doubt myself i started to doubt my identity i started to be ashamed of my life but once i understood that that i have an identity in christ i know we say that all the time but when that identity is challenged 
then you really have, that's when the fight really starts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because <laughs> we say it in church all the time, and it sounds so cliche. It's about identity, identity. But what happens when you fail in that situation? What happens when you fail in your marriage? What happens when you fail in something that you were standing on? H- how do you feel? And I think in, I think it was about 16, 17 years ago, you know, I went through a divorce. You kind of know, or actually I went through two. And um, my identity was shaken. Yeah, because at that time, was your identity... You were a pro football player. Yes. And, I mean, of course, you played for the Titans. I mean, the Oilers and then the Titans. And seemingly, your life was together. Yeah. I mean, here you are on TV making these <laughs> yeah. unbelievable catches. Right. Say it that, again. That, uh, no, you still put them on Facebook. <laughs> I get to relive them all the time. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but you know, uh, seemingly, man, here you, you got money, you got fame, you're an incredible, talented athlete. Thank you. But yet, behind the scenes— yeah. What was going on? It, it, it was tough. It's kind of like, you know, and, and I say this in a respectful way. It's like sometimes when we put on makeup, it covers the blemishes. Yeah. And that's how my life was. You know, I was going through trials and tribulations. And I was going through situation. But all I was doing was covering up the blemishes. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's tough because a lot of times we as men think if we make a mistake, then we got to play act. And I think a lot of time I was doing a lot of play acting, acting like I had it all together, but dying inside. Yeah. You know, I was I was dying inside and, and you know, we come to church and I'm in the, I'm ushering, I'm ushering everything. So I, I had to put on that smile. I had to put on that, you know, with the dimple showing in, you know, with the unibrow and everything. I was looking kinda cute. But I had to do <laughs> I had to do those things and pretend. But when I went through my divorce and my foundation was shaken, then I had to understand that my root is grounded in my identity in Christ. So I think I'm I'm not happy I went through it. But I'm glad I went through it because now it makes me understand who I am. So that's that's kind of what it goes through. Yeah, you you mentioned ushering as Ur- just, Ursher, as, Ursher. As just a side note, we used to have you as an usher, <laughs> yeah, and we had Derek Mason, who was a re- receiver for the Titans in Baltimore. He yeah. ended his career at Baltimore. We used to say we we can take up an offering faster than any church in ta- in Nashville. <laughs> Absolutely, I mean, we always have this discussion. Yeah. You know, JT will call me black, and I say I'm African American, and then he'll call me African American. I call him black, and we just kind of went. I mean, and and then he'll call me black, but we just went through the same thing a little bit. He's saying Ursher. Usher. And he's saying it on purpose. Yeah. And you keep correcting him to Usher. And he's going, no, I was an Usher. So let the man be a freaking Usher. That's what he wants to be. But, Chris, yes, I want to I want to ask you a question, good. man. Like yes. proclivities and habits and, and natural bents like that, they don't start late in life, man. We de- develop them as we grow up. And just, I mean, if we take it back maybe to your teen or college mm-hmm. years or ch- uh, childhood years, man, where do you think that whole proclivity or, or that uh, desire to cover up the the mistakes and things and I know that you were yeah. training a long time and as an athlete I mean you want to presume this posture of perfection and all that but wh- where do you think the hiding I just think that my hiding was behind football I mean that's that's a great question uh, I mean my my identity was was just behind football I mean you know I played football they saw me on TV they saw me smiling but it was consistently hidden behind football so when football was taken away where was my identity lying in it's kind of like you ever watch that movie that cartoon aladdin mm. aladdin when the, the i guess the little genie's kind of floating on, yeah, on a yeah, little sure. car- he's floating on the carpet and all of a sudden the carpet is removed and he starts to fall down and he's spinning and he hits yeah. the ground that's kind of how football was once football was taken away it was kind of like i went spiraling down and i hit the ground but the, the good thing about it is is once i understood that football was what i did it wasn't who i was then i can come out of that shell and come out of that how can I say this, pretending that I had it all together, then I think that's when the change started. But to Anthony's question, I think what he's saying is that that started somewhere, you know, Mm -hmm. because you were not just a football player at Ohio State, but you were— 
Let's see, that's a correction. Every time. See, I'm going to just continue to say Ohio State like them. Yeah, they all do. You, you got to tell them the story, though. Why, <laughs> why we say the Ohio State University, though? I, I don't know because okay, I don't okay. care about let me, Ohio let me State. Give you, let me give you Ohio State 101. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Is Okay, there's a there's a, a lot of other schools. I don't know if that's good. English. There's a lot of schools in Ohio, like Akron of Ohio, University of Ohio, and Ohio University. When you say the, it knocks out all the other teams because the other teams don't matter. So I got we, we kind of, we kind of. So we love our listeners that listen there. Don't listen to him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but yeah. okay, yeah. at yeah, the sir. Ohio State. Thank you, sir. You were a track star. Mm-hmm. You were, of course, in high school. You were a track star, football star. Was it performance based? Yes. And where did that did that start with your dad? Did that start with just inside of you wanting to perform and and, and putting your identity in what you were pre- yeah, in mean, your performance? I mean, that's a great question. I mean, it started in high school because you know I went to all African American schools in school. We we had to perform and act like we had it all together. And then when you get to the Ohio State University, it's kind of like the repeat the cycles kind of repeated. So, you know, I was just hiding behind football and doing those things and not really developing the man. I was developing the football player, but I wasn't really developing the man. And once I understood that if I can develop the man, then I can handle football, not hide behind football and really live my identity. So, Chris, how was how was your relationship with your father, man? You know, you know, you know, rest is so my dad, you know, passed away uh, last year. You know, due to I think due to COVID because, he, you know, he had cardio, you know, some stuff that was going on. And, you know, he really he really wasn't there. You know, he was there from the third, from my, from when I was born into the third grade. And then he kind of came in, in sporadic ways. So I miss my dad. I love my dad. And I held on to a lot of anger. But then when I got to the point to where, you know, I had to forgive him. Because how can I say I love Jesus and Jesus forgives me and I can't forgive him? And I think that that was a, a piano that was lifted off my back. And I remember in 1995, um, I was in church. And I just had the situation. I'm not saying God spoke to me uh, out of a voice, but it was kind of like, you need to get this right with your dad and with my, you know, my mother-in-law. So I called them one day and she picked up the phone and I said, you know, would you forgive me for what I did? And she sat on the phone for two minutes. Mm. That was when my healing took place because I had to forgive my dad because I, I, I had to get to a point to where, yes, I wanted my dad. Yes, I wanted to recover those years, but I had to understand that I have to forgive my dad because it's like this. It's like me drinking poison and expecting my father to die. Mm. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Absolutely true. You know? So yes. So your dad left the home. Yes. Left the home when you were in the third grade. In the third grade. Third grade. So that family unit was destroyed. And you see the pain that it caused you uh, with your family unit being destroyed. Did you feel a pressure to protect your family unit once you became married, man, and once you had children? No, it wasn't that. I just, when I dealt with that, it felt like I was rejected. Mm. So all my life that I had to perform is because I don't want to feel rejected. And we as men are afraid to say that, you know. I was afraid to be rejected because I'll never forget. I was in the shower and I was singing a song called, remember that song, Cutie Pie? Cutie Pie, you're the reason why. I was singing in the shower. (laughs) Straight up, (laughs) straight up soul right there, boy. I was singing in the shower and I kind of peek out at the shower and I see my dad leaving because, you know, he was going to be with somebody else. So from that point in time, I felt rejected. And then that is kind of like a snowball effect. So now I get in high school that if I didn't make the team or such and I felt rejected, mm. then all of a sudden I get to Ohio State and once I show up, all these big guys and I'm this little scrawny guy, I felt rejected. Mm. So now when I have a divorce and everything and go through stuff, I kind of show the face in church because what? I didn't want to be rejected. Mm. So I played the role. It was kind of like the Oscar award winning trophy goes to Chris Sanders because I was play acting, because I had to act like I had it all together and, and I really didn't. I was just... A grown man was still a little boy inside. 
And once I had to confront who I was, then that's when the change started. And, you know, even in the church, you know, you know, some people that I walk with, you know, when it was like when I got done with football, I was just gone. I felt rejected. So what I do, what did I do? I ran and I hid. <laughs> I ran and I hid. It's not that I ran and hid somewhere else. I just ran and hid at home. I stayed at home. I didn't come to church for four and five months because I felt rejected. Mm. But once I had, uh, once I understood that it's not about the rejection, you face the rejection, but it's walking through the rejection. So now my son doesn't have to go through what I went through. And speaking of your son, of course, uh, I know you're proud of him. I am that CJ. Dude. Yeah, he. Uh, I mean, even as a kid, I mean, he he was the uh, boy in Ray, yeah. uh, the movie Ray, the of Ray Charles, and then he went to no, he played no, at Notre Dame. He went to SMU. Then to SMU, yeah. and now he's back in Hollywood, uh, you know, trying to act or wanting to be an actor. Uh, he ain't trying. He is an actor. <laughs> uh, sorry, CJ, but. Uh, what was your relationship with him like seeing that here he is doing well? Right. I mean, it seems like everything that CJ does, he does very well. Of course, he's been trained. You know, he, he's a hard worker. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So, but what about him and yeah. your relationship with him? And how did you kind of steer him in a way that he wouldn't have to go through the things that you went through? I'm glad you asked that question because that, that ugly head tried to rear itself. Because, you know, uh, when CJ didn't get drafted, because he was supposed to get drafted and he didn't, and he cried like a baby. It wasn't that he cried because he didn't make it. It's because he felt rejected. Mm. <laughs> mm. Wow. So now that ugly head tries to rear itself. So now I'm in position. Okay, son, this is how you overcome it. This and, and it and it took time. It didn't just happen overnight. And he's still working through it because he felt like everybody was like, "Oh, you're gonna make it in the NFL." Everybody was saying that you're talented enough. Everybody was saying you're the guy. Everybody was saying you're definitely one of the best kickoff return punters in the country, which he was. Everybody said that. But when he didn't get drafted, he felt rejection. Mm. So when that head started to reel, reel his head up, we had to fight it together. And what did you tell – so how, what, what were kind of the, a few things that you told him how to fight that? Yeah, I mean, I, we talked about identity, and we talked about that to where even though you did, did, God didn't use you in this area, there's something bigger that God's going to use you for. And we always talk about purpose, and we talk about destiny. We say that all the time. But once I understood that, that even though you didn't make it in this area – that still doesn't mean you're not going to do great things. And, and then when I went back and just kind of rewinded my life, I told him all the things that I went through and how I felt. Mm -hmm. and, how, and, and, and it's just, it's just funny because the next generation has to fight the same, the same demons we got to fight. But now the good thing about it is, is I have a sword. <laughs> and the one thing I can, I didn't mean to interrupt you, the one thing I can do is I can pass that sword to my son. And a lot of times when we pass the sword to our son, yeah, we pass him the word of God. But I pass them on the mistakes that I made, yeah. how I had a child out of wedlock. I mean, all the, we, how I wasn't a good father to her. She's 31 years old. So now it's not repeating that cycle right. so he can be better than me. I look at my son today, and it's nothing but the grace of God of, of what God's done in his life. Because I look at him, and the reason why he is what he is now is because God had to take my mess and turn it into a message so I can tell him how to live the right life in a good message. Yeah. Or at least, and uh, well, I hear what you're saying is, and I love how you said it, each generation has got to fight their dragons. <laughs> yeah. But you gave him a weapon that you didn't have. In order for him to have a better chance of slaying the dragon more than you. I mean, I think that's a beautiful, that's it. beautiful that's picture. It. You know, my dad, I didn't mean to interrupt you because my dad didn't know the Lord. So how was he going to give me a sword if he doesn't have a sword? Yeah. He could only give you what he had. Only and, what he had. And based on what you're saying, even what he had, he took with him when he left. Mm. Wow.
Oh, man, so man. Chris, wow. I, I get a chance very rarely to see this side of you, man, but I saw you dig deep and begin to look into something real deep while ago, so I want to track back to sure, it for a sure. minute, man. Uh, you, you talked about, you know, like, I know this to be a fact about everybody. We love being around a winner. Yeah. And you said, hey, man, when football was over, you yeah. know, people weren't around anymore. And, <laughs> yeah. and I'm guessing, you know, you even mentioned not showing up at church, man. Mm. And so, you know, football's over or maybe marriage one is over, marriage mm. two is over. But when when these people begin to step out of your mm. life, man, it just it really brings true to something that you were telling yourself already that I must perform <laughs> to be able to yeah. be. X, Y, Z, right. whatever this expectation right. was, man. And and that's, man, that's curious right there because even today, you know, I feel that kind of pressure. Every, we have to fight it. We, we feel that pressure, man, and we want to be acknowledged for the things that we do well. Yeah. But, man, you're, you said you were even noticing it inside of the church. Yeah. Like your church family yeah. and when things had changed. Talk to me about that, like maybe marriage or football or whichever one really spoke to you yeah, the most. Yeah, just, you know, some of the friends that I that that I was with when I played football, it's just kind of everybody just dispersed. I don't know if they didn't want to touch the subject or just didn't want to be around. I just didn't know, so I was confused. And the one thing that I, I started to do is I started to get real bitter. Mm -hmm. I mean, really bitter. That I would see somebody in church and I just, I wouldn't speak to them. But the thing that I had to do, instead of getting bitter, I had to get better. I had to get better. And the way I had to do is I had to soul search me. It ain't about them. Because what the enemy tries to do is get in there and make you mad at folk. And when you get mad at folk, instead of putting the blame on me, or not, not putting the blame on me, but looking inside my life and make sure I'm doing the right thing, as opposed to pointing the finger at anybody else. Because you don't, you don't know. They could have said, okay, I just don't want to touch it. I, I, don't, I don't know. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and it could be, honestly, and we say this quite often, that be kind for everyone you meet. It's fighting a great battle. <laughs> and, you know, it's, sometimes we take it, I can remember people coming in and saying, you know, well, I don't want to come to church because people look at me so judgmental. And I remember talking to say, this guy. Can you say that again? People, they, he said, I don't want to come to church because people are looking at me so judgmental. Yeah. And this is what I told the guy because I said, well, give me an example. Mm -hmm. And he pointed out this person. Mm -hmm. uh, he said, well, she, you know, when, when I walked in, she just looked at me such in a judging way. Wow. And I'm glad he picked that person because I just happened to know <laughs> yeah. that her and her husband fought all the way to church. <laughs> so it was like yeah. what you took for her, Matt, she was – mad at her husband, Wow! you took as a look See. of judgment on you. That always reminds me that just because I'm feeling rejected or right. because I'm whatever I'm feeling doesn't mean it's actually pride right. that we it's think absolutely. that people absolutely. have a lot of time to think about our problems. Absolutely. And they actually don't. Yeah. Actually, most people are thinking about their own problems. It, it, can I piggyback yeah, off that? Absolutely. What you said is it's kind of like this. I remember... Um, uh, we were we were coaching football in the summertime one time, and and all the kids were you know tired and you know throwing up and whatever whatever. So our coach put everybody up together, and he said this. He said, "When you feel like you're tired and you feel like you're frustrated, you have to tell your emotions to shut up." Mm. And what we <laughs> what because emotions will lie to you. They will lie to you every time. Every time. So what I had to do uh, is I as I had to tell my emotions to shut up. My emotions said, "Oh, he don't like you. Oh, he stopped walking with you." So I had to tell my emotions to shut up because emotions are going to lie to you. Our emotions are going to say this and this and this and this. And it's just a false reality. You don't know what that person is going through. That's, that's the reason why I stopped you. I didn't mean to interrupt you. But you don't know what's going on in their lives. That's correct. You know, and, and you just don't know. So I had to say emotions shut your stinking mouth because your emotions are going to be like, they don't like you. And then all of a sudden you start looking at them cross-eyed and 
man, that's just a trick of the enemy to, to cause division. And I'm not doing that. Yeah, and I guess it was the because of your fear of rejection. It was that yeah. if I go or the way that he's looking at me, that's a re, that's the, that's the look of rejection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just yeah. the way he's looking at me is the look of rejection. Yeah. Like, no, maybe he just had a bad pizza but, last night. <laughs> no, you know, it's like, man, he's stomach's hurting. You know, who knows? But yeah. you don't know what they're dealing with. And 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 um, I like to give example. I was remember I was I was I work at this high school, and everybody was saying that this lady was mean. I mean, she was. She, she, she seemed like she was mean, so I spoke to her. She was like, what? So I'm like, oh, my gosh, she probably is. So now one time I had this, I got the, I, I got this coffee, and it was put on my heart to give it to her. So I went, and I'm like, I am not giving this lady coffee. Why, why would I give her coffee if she's mean? So I went and gave her the coffee, and she was like, huh? I'm like, oh, my gosh. She said, speak to him. I can't, I can't hear you. Mm, she said, I can't no hear you. Way. She said, I can't hear you. And she said, the reason why I can't hear you is I'm dealing with cancer. Mm. So in my mind... Mm. I'm I'm thinking she's some way, but she's dealing with something. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we get mad at this person, but we don't know what they're dealing with. So I had a perception that she was a mean lady, that she was just old and grouchy, but she was dealing with cancer and she couldn't hear. Mm -hmm. So what I had to do is I had to check myself. And me and that lady, she passed away about two years ago. But every time she saw me on campus, she's running to hug yeah, my man. neck. I'll be coaching in the football game. She'll, she'll be like, she'll be on the side, crash, and come and hug me. <laughs> But the reason why I prejudged her is because somebody mm -hmm. said that she was mean. Mm. So now I looked at her mean and she, what? But when I got to know her, she was dealing with cancer and they couldn't hear. It's, it's really because, <laughs> I, and I'm going to say it this way, we, we don't have the balls to go get the truth. 100%. It's easier to uh, just agree with, with what somebody says about somebody and not just have the guts to go, you know what, I'm just going to find out for myself. Yeah. Because we don't give people the benefit of the doubt yeah. uh, that they could be having a bad day. They got cancer. I mean, something's going on because I don't think most people wake up and go, I'm going to be really crappy to people today. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, yeah. I don't think they do that. Right. There's always reasons. I'm not excusing those reasons. But it's like there are reasons behind that. And it probably has nothing to do with you. I know. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, you know, we talk about the rejection thing. And I'm just I'm just gonna lay it on the table, but um, there was a guy who wrote me a letter. He told me how much God hated me. He wrote that, and I I sat on the track for two hours, and I called Ricky Bowers. I said, "Dude, I'm struggling, dude." I said, "Man, he wrote me a letter, and I'm not gonna say his name, but he wrote me a letter. He said God hates you, and he's disappointed in you. Mm -hmm. So how do I feel with all that rejection coming back up?" He said, "God hates you, hates me." Yeah, now you're not only dealing with rejection from people, but man, he put it that the ultimate rejection. The ultimate rejection. Wow. He said how he said and, and well, here's the cra the crazy part about it is is he put it in capital letters. Mm. He said, God hates you and you're not a man. So now I'm I'm, I'm like I'm really struggling. And I called Ricky Bowser. I said, Ricky Bowser, I'm struggling, man. And he reminded me how much God loves me. And uh that was a tough moment. It's a tough moment. Jeez. Tough moment. When 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 we walk past moments like that, man, and even even right now with you discussing it with me, sometimes it's the right time to say things, and sometimes it's the wrong time to say things, <laughs> yeah. man. And I'm gonna I'm gonna roll the dice right yeah, now, man, please. because a lot of times you mentioned coming to church and seeing someone, 
and and the way that you feel or felt about them. And then JT said they were going through something with their husband. Right. But I just was writing some notes as you were speaking, man, that like the wounds that we go through as children, they're like sunglasses we wear our entire lives. <laughs> right. And they tint every situation, no matter how happy, joyous, poor, anything. Like literally, we cannot see anything but first, that wound. So we're looking through these whatever yeah. color glasses they are, and it'll paint these like negative motives on people because we are dealing with a negative thing that's been painted on us. Yeah. And it causes us that's to really good. have breaks in relationships, man. And you said something great, JT. You know, the balls to go and find out. I am notorious, man, for going, what's the problem? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what, what's going on here? Right. What are we doing? Rather than, because I know I can build a great scenario in my head, even in my house with right. my wife. <laughs> I can assign a <laughs> yeah. proper motive yeah. that makes yeah. complete sense to me and just be assured of it. But then I always leave room for what if I'm wrong? Wow. And I get in the habit, man, of going to people that I feel like that we have broken relationship and yeah. going, what's going on? I need yeah. to know because I'm building my own scenario right here. I don't like how it sounds. And just for everybody out there, as we go through these moments with interpersonal relationships, man, or perceiving that people look at us as a failure, mm -hmm. maybe we need to go and say, hey, what's going on? Yeah. Why are you perceiving or what? What? This is what I'm thinking. Yeah. And, and that's, 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 that's good because a lot of times it's kind of like what I had to do when I came back to church is before I opened those doors, I had to keep my pride outside. Because <laughs> just like you said, it's pride. It was all about, they said this about me, and I feel with you. It ain't about me. And I made it about me, and it wasn't about me. And I, and I feel bad about saying that because even through feeling rejected, I was very selfish. <laughs> I was very When they talking about, so what? Mm. Or they, you see what I'm saying? So I created this picture that I painted. <laughs> Not that anybody else painted. I painted the picture. I grabbed the brush with my tongue. I grabbed the brush and started painting a picture of what they did. Mm. It wasn't them. It was my paintbrush that painted a picture of them. They did this. They did that. They did that. They did that. They did that. They did. As opposed to taking the brush down and say, you know what? It ain't about them. It's about how I respond. How I respond. So what I was doing... Is I was playing tennis. Is when they say, when somebody would say something, I'm swinging back. But what I had to do, like what Jesus did, is he laid down his life. I had to lay down that brush. Mm. So when I laid down the brush, then now I can see clearly. <laughs> I, can, I can see clearly. It wasn't, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. But, but my goodness, it's, it's, now I can see clearly now. And the thing about it, it's kind of like, you ever watch, um, what was it? Um, I think late night when, when, when those late shows come on. And it's and, and the TV starts to mess up, and you start to keep turning. You keep turning the knob so you can see clearly. Well, you taking yourself way <laughs> back. You take, you, we going back to George Jefferson in the eighties <laughs> yeah. right now, man. Yeah, but what I had to do is I had to keep turning, mm. keep turning at, keep turning my life until I saw a clear picture of what God is doing, and what He was doing is He was pulling all that pride out of me, pulling all that selfishness out of me, pulling all that negativity out. And say, you know what? I want you to see them how I see them. Mm. <laughs> That's it, man. Because I had it in me, man. I had it in me. JT, I had it in me, but I didn't know it because I was pretending for so many years. And all it was doing was 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 being a, a dormant in my life. <laughs> God. Man, it's a that's a scary prayer, man. You made me think of it like a scary prayer yeah. I prayed, man. Yeah. It was God, let me see your people the way you see them. 
And man, it it, it has revolutionized yeah. revolutionized my life, man. Be but it's a scary prayer, man. I can't get my words together. Man. No, you good. But uh, yeah, just being able to see yeah. people how God sees them, man. And man, it will break you. And man, grace will bloom when we are able to see people as broken the way that God sees us, man. He has the opportunity to want to heal and walk with us in our healing. And speaking of walking, man, I just remember you know being able to be around you. Uh, when when you were going through mm-hmm. your last divorce, man, yeah. and uh, and it was difficult, man, was to hard. see a to see a strong man, you know, dealing with a thing that's got him hog tied, yeah. man. Yeah. I mean, just bogged down. And so it's it's not something that's just one guy goes mm-hmm. through or only weak guys go through. Even strong guys like you, man, <laughs> it's difficult to go through those moments. It is, and and the thing that what helped me too is kind of like, you ever you you still live with JT because you kind of swole over there, just good. I see the <laughs> I remember. I'm, I, I'm definitely not as swole as you. <laughs> no, you look like you could. I got, man, I got five shirts on. <laughs> you look like you could go back and play <laughs> no, right now. No, it, Ray Lewis is mean. And uh, <laughs> but I remember I was in. The, I remember when I was in the gym one time, and um, it was this guy that was lifting all these weights. And uh, I asked him, do you need a spot? And he said, he said, no, nah, man, I'm just, good. And just I, tell him. Go ahead and tell him it was me. It was I mean, you. Don't, it was yeah, you. Don't, you no, don't he tie was doing a through 15, and I'm like, man, you need a spot. He said, no, nah, I'm good. I'm, I'm straight, man. I got this. But I kept my eye on him. <laughs> so he gets, he gets under the bench press, and he throws it up, and all the weight comes down on his, on, on his, on his chest. And, I, and me running over there to spot him, I lifted it up to help him get back on the bar. That's what we need sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes we need a spotter. Yeah. Even when we don't think Even we need we one, we think because we got this. Because we got this. Wow. But the Jeez. thing about it is, is in life we need a spotter. Ricky Bowser was one of my spotters. <laughs> was, when I thought, when I thought that I had it on my own, and Ricky was speaking, speaking into my life. Ricky Bowser, he helped, me, and a guy named K Dub spoke into my life. And he, amen, amen. He always said he'll let me vent. I'm crying, all, all this stuff. He, amen, amen. He always, <laughs> amen, always, amen. But he met me where I was at. And I think sometimes the reason why a lot of people don't come to church or don't like the church is because we don't meet them where they're at. Mm-hmm. So what gives me the audacity when it says in Romans 8.1, all those who come to Christ, I declare you're not guilty. If God did make me guilty, why would somebody that's struggling, that's trying to come to Christ, why would I make them feel guilty? Because what we do sometimes, we try to be the Holy Spirit, and we're not. Yeah. And it's funny because when I got cut from the Tennessee Titans, uh, I went to the Cleveland Browns. And through my insecurity, I was judging everybody. Judging everybody because of my insecurity. So I came in there like the top Mr. You know, underdog Christian. Not underdog, but what's that? that, oh, that what was that, that character in that cartoon? Here I am to save the day. Remember that? Oh, was, God. What? That was uh, underdog. Yeah, underdog, that was underdog. underdog. Yeah, yeah. Underdog, here, you know, yeah. So I'm like Mr. Super Christian going to, going to Cleveland Browns. <laughs> here I am. And I'm just condemning every, everything. Uh, but he, guess what this guy said? He was, a, he was a, a Quincy Morgan. He was standing beside me, and he said this, and this was not a compliment. He said, man, am I standing next to Jesus himself? Ooh. That wasn't a compliment. Yeah, that was, a, that was a put down. That was, that was a put a down. Yeah. Because I was condemning everybody. You know yeah. why I was condemning everybody? Because of my rejection. <laughs> yeah, you've just been rejected. Just been rejected. And now I'm going to take it out on everybody else. Take it out on everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the crazy part. Even through all through my stupidity, a guy got saved, and he, he coached Notre Dame, the running backs coach, and then he took CJ under his wing. Mm. That's how good God is, man. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. So, Chris, yes, with, with everything that you've gone through, the rejection, and mm. you talked about identity. Mm-hmm. Of course, that is one of your messages that you're, you articulate so well. Thank you. Um when you sit in front of a, because I know you do a lot of speaking in front of football 
yes, teams sir. and, you know, encouraging. What are the top things outside of identity that do you tell them? These are the lessons that I learned that mm-hmm. if you will do these things, you will be great. Mm-hmm. What are those things? I mean, number one, I mean, if, if it's in a, a church setting, I mean, Let, I'll t- let's say it's not in a church setting. Let's say this is a say this is a, a team full of just yeah. all kinds of beliefs, you know, like a college football yeah. team or something. I know you've done that, yeah. but what, what do you say to them? If you will do these things, man, you can bypass a lot of pain. Okay. Number one, that every play you run in life counts. And I'm, and I'm gonna give an illustration. I remember we were in the Super Bowl, right? And, um, you know, it's the last play of the game. We're huddled up. This is it. This is it. This is, this is the, and I'm on the left, Kevin Dice on the right. I'm like, this is it. So it's the last play of the game. We're huddled up with Steve in there, all this stuff. And all of a sudden, he throws it to Kevin Dyson, and we come up a yard short, and we lose. So what I tell a lot of football students that whatever you're huddled up with, you're going to make it in the end zone, you're going to make it in your destiny, or you're going to come up a yard short. So whatever you, whoever you huddle with, if you huddle up with dope dealers, if you huddle up with the, you're going to come up a yard short. If you huddle up with the right people, they're going to help you reach your destiny. Mm. So you'll never come up a yard short because every play counts. So I put it in a nutshell to in a football sense, but also intertwine a little spiritual sense to where they can understand that every play counts. And that's kind of what I relate to them. Okay. What's, what's next? What's another lesson? One more. Um, just, um, you know, don't make mistakes. I mean, I know we're going to make mistakes, but just, just, just make sure that you, you, you make the right choices, you know? And, and I tell them that I made a lot of mistakes, you know, with the child out of wedlock and all that stuff and doing some crazy stuff that, you know, just don't make the mistakes because it costs you later on. Yeah, it's like in life you're going to make mistakes. Yeah. Just don't help yourself make more. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. <laughs> like let's make less mistakes yeah. uh, and life will go much better. Yeah. But uh, that's really good. I, I love the analogy of the of yard short, yeah. even, even though as a Tennessee Titan <laughs> yeah. fan, that was very, very painful. Oh, very painful. Uh, on a, kind of a in, insider little thing, yes. uh, we've had Coach Lowry on. Oh, that's my guy. Yeah, Alan. I love Alan. Uh, and we talked about the Music City Miracle a little bit. But what was your recollection of that day? Just for fun. We, we've been talking serious. Just what's going on. Yeah. I'm like, I'm on the sideline talking to Yancey Thigpen. And and all those other guys because we have a thing called the last three plays. So I'm talking about talking to them about what we're gonna do. I look to my right because we're standing on the sidelines, and I see Kevin Dyson running field. I'm like, what is going on? Get what? What are we doing? He runs to the end zone, and they win. I mean, and we win. But here's the crazy part about this: Kevin Dyson wasn't even supposed to be in the game. <laughs> that's right. That's what Mason Allen said. Got, got a concussion the, the series before. So can I preach for a second? Yeah. Gummit. Shoot. You do what you want to. Man. I mean, you're paying us. <laughs> <laughs> no, but here's the thing. Look at that whole scenario. Is we got you got 16 seconds left in the game. It looks like it's over. Okay, the Buffalo Bills are already celebrating. It looks like we're going to lose, and I'm standing. I'm standing on the sideline, and I'm feeling hopeless. I'm feeling like there's no possible way, but there's still time on the clock. So they throw it to. Uh, they kick it to Lorenzo Neal, who in practice couldn't catch a cold. He catches it. <laughs> couldn't catch a cold. Even Neil O'Donnell would throw it in practice just to make the coach mad because he couldn't catch, couldn't catch at all. Awful, like Kenny with two elbows. <laughs> then, then he throws it. Then he gives it to Frank Wycheck, who has the worst arm on the team. Terrible. And then he throws it to Kevin Dyson. That ain't even supposed to be in the game. And we call it the the Music City Miracle. But the reason why it happened is because there was still time on the clock. Now check this out. You may have made so many mistakes in life. You may be sitting on the sidelines of hopelessness, but there's still time on the clock to get it right. Mm-hmm. There's still time on the clock. Yep. But <laughs> man, you, that's a great, and you got, but you got to have that team. You, you got to have, have that guys team. around you to help you. Can't do it on your own. I can't. I can't. I, I'm, I'm in, 
I can't. Because here's the crazy thing to go further with that analogy, because I know Kevin wasn't supposed to be there. <laughs> not only was he not supposed to be there, he didn't really had never run that play. They say we ran in practice. We ain't do that in practice. Y'all didn't, but it was run in practice. Never in practice. At the, look, I got to go with Coach now on this one. Man, Coach Lowry say it, I believe it. So here's the thing, though. Here's the, here's the thing, though. You have to understand. Even when you don't know what to do in life. Oh, come on, man. If you'll just get the right people around you, it's like they say all the time, a blind squirrel even will find an acorn every now and then, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's like, man, if you will just, it's so important to surround yourself with people. Come on, man. Because even when you don't know what you're doing, you can win. Wow. Even when you don't understand, they just go, run, like, <laughs> run, Forrest, <laughs> run, you know, get going. It's like, man, if we can just do that one simple thing, we yeah. talk about it all the time, Band of Brothers, get just guys around you that will push you beyond what you think you can do, That's good, man. believe in you more than you actually believe 100%. in yourself sometimes. And, man, it's just so important to have that group of that team, that Band of Brothers around you. And could I piggyback off that a little bit? Well, of course. Thing, I'll be quick. Of course. But I remember we were playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we were playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. Lorenzo Neal, he's a short guy, uh, national. Was that when Harrison was playing with him? No, Harrison. The linebacker? No. Nah. Oh, oh, no, no. He, he was scared. Oh, he's he was scary. scary. Yeah, yeah I, he's I, scary. The boy, he had a unibrow and everything. So, he was, <laughs> no. <laughs> we were playing. Man, we're going to have to get you one of them. I can tell you attracted to that unibrow. I, I know. But we were playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the play before, Eddie George got hurt. And uh, I think it was a linebacker, I can't remember who it was, you know, gave a cheap shot to uh, Eddie George. And Lorenzo Neal saw that Eddie George was hurt. And first of all, he pointed the guy, he said, and, and Lorenzo Neal's a small guy, he can bench press 275, 26 times. Big swole with no neck, he don't need a turtle neck or nothing, so it's kind of like that. <laughs> so he, and then he's big and strong, so he has a high voice. He said, hey, I'm going to get you. That's all he said, I'm going to get you. And then he pointed to uh, uh, Eddie George. He said, big dog, I see that you're hurt, but just follow me. Hmm. Wow. That's the people that we need in life. Man. I see that you're hurt. I see that you're hurt, but just follow me. So wow. now when, when the enemy tries to bring insecurities in doubt, I told you I was going to get you. Mm. <laughs> I told you I was going to get you. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> That's great, man. I told you I was going to get you. <laughs> well, Chris, man, I, I mean, we could talk all day. Actually, I love y'all, man. Yeah, I mean, I just—I'm uh, not one of those guys that just discarded you. Did I? Did I do no, that? Okay, no, I'm, I'm always dude, hugging on you. Okay, no, no, I'm just no, no, no. Sure. no. I want to make myself clear. I don't want be. I want you mad at me. No, know? I love you. I you love swole. everybody, man. <laughs> I love you. Never, never thought not once. I love you. That man said he got five shirts on, man. Five That's why he looks swell. He don't look, five he got, on. He got a thin T-shirt on. <laughs> and then I got a tank top underneath, so I, so I got five shirts and a tank top. <laughs> I got one of those uh, those Hulk things you buy at Halloween under my shirt. It makes me look all swole. Anyway, hey, it ain't working. Oh, Chris. Yes, sir. Man, thank you. I've been wanting, no, you, you, I've been wanting you to thank be you. on this show for a long time. Thank you, sir. I know you had a story. I know that you have been through a lot, but yet I know that you've overcome a lot. Still working. Yeah, and it, and really that that is all of our stories. Right. If we would just do the, I say this all the time, Donut, if you'll just do the next right thing. Right. Just do the next right thing, the next right step. Surround yourself with people that will block for you. Yeah, block. Wow. Just follow them. Just follow me. But you blocked for me too. Remember when you took the class and I took the class? You were you. What was that? Uh, I have no idea. No, we did it here. Yeah, men's men's attorney. attorney. Remember with the with the sword? Oh yeah, yeah. I came to that. You you didn't know that you helped me. Wow. So you were blocking for me. You didn't even know it. Wow. 
Well, man, I'll take that. Did, <laughs> did I get paid for that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thank think, you, man. Appreciate no, you. Love I, I love you too, man. Appreciate and it's you. it's just great to have you here. So, guys, listen. Take a nugget. Take something. I know that you heard something in this in this episode that will help you. There is no doubt in my mind. Uh, so, take a nugget. Take a thought. Take something, and continue to renovate yourself. And I had this thought today, renovate yourself before you point out what others need to renovate. Oh, that's so good. Just renovate mm-hmm. yourself. Take take something that was said and let's get to work. Ooh. Renovating Masculinity is hosted by Anthony Flemons and JT McCraw. If you want to get your hands dirty, rethinking, removing, and replacing habits that keep us from becoming renovated men, Join our highly engaged private Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash renovating masculinity. You can also find us online at renovatingmasculinity.com and on socials at renovating masculinity. 